Brianna. I'm Sarah. And we are the, the Squad, Squad Ghouls. Just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bri. Hey, Sarah. Where do ghosts buy their Halloween candy? I don't know. Where do they go buy them? At the ghostery store. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Just gets better and better. <laughs> I have a good one for you. Okay. Where do fashionable ghosts shop? I don't know. Where do they? At the boutique. (laughs) That's where I shop. (laughs) (laughs) We do a lot of boutique shopping. Mm -hmm. Maybe too much. In general. Well, (laughs) I, I, I try really hard not to buy things from big box retailers yeah i try really hard to patronize small businesses where i can um with the exception of my amazon prime subscription Uh oh that's my problem i mean amazon prime is a lot of people's problems so you're not alone i know but i know (laughs) jeff Jeff bezos isn't the best human but but things like i i I will say i don't buy a lot of like the amazon products no, and I buy or, the stuff that I buy are it's things like vitamins okay. and household cleaners and that kind of garbage. Mm-hmm. Be like because my my whole goal in life is to have to interact with as few people as possible, especially during a <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, when you told me they were like, oh yeah, that was like the first time I went to Target for like a really long time. I was like, oh <laughs> yeah, when you and I went to Target uh, last month, I think mm-hmm. it was last month. That was the first time I've been to Target. all year (laughs) i need need to stay out of there i mean i go in there you know my with my mask on my hand sanitizer Mm -hmm. gloves so i mean i'm being safe (laughs) oh totally my you know i know that they um they remodeled their stores for a reason and all of the the high margin products you know being clothing and so forth and and housewares are now at the front but and and i'm sure that it's just going to take me some getting used to I just get so discouraged because I can't find anything in there anymore. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> it's it, hard. <laughs> it is. But they do have, Target did launch their uh, spooky collection. They're their hiding sure go eek stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, did you see the kitty cat scratching haunted houses? I did. They're so cute. Yeah. I, they got some really cute stuff in there. I tried to buy one, but they were already not available. So maybe they just hadn't been available for sale yet i'm gonna have to look it up i was like are you looking it up right now maybe (laughs) (laughs) well while she's looking that up (laughs) i guess uh, we should get into our booze news booze news booze news um it's not on my little list but i wanted to add since we were talking about um boutique shopping um, I don't know if you guys know, but Unique Vintage keeps launching pretty amazing um, Halloween prints mm-hmm. and outfits. So if you haven't looked, check them out. For the gals that uh, listen to this podcast, we very clearly have a Halloween addiction, but also we're both uh, vintage enthusiasts. <laughs> and there is a lovely boutique called Unique Vintage based here in Burbank, California. And they yes. ship internationally, though. Yes, they do. Um, so for our listeners overseas, you can still purchase their products. Um, and I'm sure everybody that lives domestically in the United States is familiar, particularly if you're in the greater Los Angeles area. Yes. But they keep putting garbage on there i know i feel like 
<laughs> when you said they're like oh they just added more i'm like really i feel like i just looked on there <laughs> may or may not have already placed it's fine. a couple it's okay four or five <laughs> orders hi we are brianna and sarah and we are addicted to shopping and halloween <laughs> it's pretty accurate welcome to this shoppers anonymous episode <laughs> But if it's Halloween stuff, it's for a good cause. Mm-hmm. It's to save. We're supporting Halloween companies. We're supporting the spirit of Halloween. <laughs> you can't cancel Halloween no, even if there's a pandemic. It's not over. No, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> but yeah, please go check them out. They've got just, there's so many cute things. And you're supporting a small business. Exactly. I mean, that's how I was looking at it. Mm-hmm. You know, because... Not a lot of people are going into their shops because of the pandemic, and I'm glad that they're just really boosting their sales by uh, obviously <laughs> releasing more um, <laughs> Halloween prints and stuff. <laughs> I might be single-handedly keeping Unique Vintage in business right now. Oh. Shh, don't tell me. <laughs> but um, some interesting news coming up. So... In Orlando, they are trying to put together this drive through Halloween experience. This sounds exciting. Called the Haunted Road. Um, they're look. It sounds like they're still trying to kind of map everything out, but um, the Haunted Road promises a new, completely contactless Halloween experience filled with twisted creatures, immersive theatrical storytelling, and blood curdling encounters this sounds exciting i mean it if we don't have anything like this this would probably be the one and only reason i would want to go to florida there's supposed to be (laughs) one in the u.s well actually there's supposed to be one locally here in the the greater los angeles area but i haven't gotten the update fever is the company that's running it oh i haven't seen an update yet though well i hope they um I hope that happens. I just feel like it's the it'll be the new thing, and I, and I think that there's a lot of money to be made. Mm, I agree. I mean, if they can get it, you know, do it the right way, it it would be they would make a lot of money. Although just to to that point, and I totally forgot to add it, or maybe I didn't, and we just haven't gotten there yet. Oh, either way. I'm real sorry in advance. Um, <laughs> to your point about the haunted drive-through, the only haunt that is confirmed for 2020 that I have seen in the greater Los Angeles area mm-hmm. is the LA Haunted Hayride. <gasps> oh, that, you know what? They could totally do that with mm-hmm. cars. They could totally do that with cars because it's in Griffith Park. But all of the mazes are outdoors anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like they're limiting capacity and then they're doing temperature checks, which obviously you could be asymptomatic. You could be a carrier. So temperature check is no guarantee that you don't have COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is an extra safety precaution that they're putting in place. And then they're they're going to be at half capacity, I believe. And I'm not sure if they're actually going to do the hayride itself. But okay. according to their website, they're still going to be open and they've put all of these additional safety precautions in I place. Mean, they could totally make it a drive-through, though. They really could because Griffith Park we is drive through there. Exactly. Anyway, like, they totally could. Like, yeah, the lines would probably suck. It'd be really long. But if they you can, even if they do like a pre-sale and limit how many cars are you 100%. know coming through, 
I mean, they could make that work. 100%. Well, I'm sending it out there. Haunted Hayride, if you're listening, <laughs> please make a drive through. Thank you. <laughs> um, Solstice Studios um, shifted the release date for the Russell Crowe uh, thriller called Unhinged. Um, it was supposed to. Um, I guess it's supposed to come out July 31st. Obviously, that mm-hmm. didn't happen. Um, and now they're saying it's uh, they're not going to release it in the theaters. Or, or I'm sorry, excuse me. <laughs> they only want to release it in the theaters. So now the new date, as of now, is August 21st. So I mean, they're saying in theaters, but I don't think that's going to happen either. So yeah, maybe drive drive-ins. You know, I we were just talking about this yesterday because mm-hmm. we went to, with our friend Lindsay to go see the film The Rental at a local drive-through here in LA. And I'm one, I love drive-throughs and I'm really sad that they have not been more popular in the last, yeah. you know, 40, 50 years. But also I'm I'm happy that this is giving smaller indie films more presence and more yes. of a chance to take the spotlight from some of the larger budget films films like if black widow would have been released this oh, year <laughs> nothing would have nothing that we saw would have even stood a chance no but, <laughs> and, but oh, i mean wonder woman oh yeah that's right i forgot about wonder woman <laughs> yeah i just hope that um I mean, I think like the big companies like, you know, AMC, um, what's the other one I'm thinking of? Um, although it's just, anyway, just all the big movie theater companies. Why Regal not? Edwards, yeah, Regal, thank yeah. you, Edwards. Um, why not take that money that, I mean, instead of using it to kind of take, you know, seats out of, you know, the stadium of, uh, in your theaters, why not just put it towards, uh, a rundown drive-in and make it better. And the other piece that's interesting is I, I, I'm forever baffled by the large companies with such deep pockets mm-hmm. that can say, oh, we're, you know, if we don't reopen in, in another month or two, we're going to file bankruptcy. <laughs> but your shareholders are all getting what they were promised and mm-hmm. your board members are all getting their bonuses. What? It's just, you know. Yeah. I'm just saying they could put that money to a good place. They totally could. And and, and make a lot of money. Yeah. And, and I mean, maybe you don't need to make $40 million a year. Yeah. That too. Or share with me. That's fine. Right? <laughs> Please Venmo us at. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Creating Venmo now. <laughs> right? Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of a bummer. I wish that they would do a little, and because you can still release it in theaters. Not everyone has a drive through nearby. Right. So a drive through Oh, my gosh. Not a drive through This is not fast food. A drive-in nearby. <laughs> <laughs> um. But you could still, you know, do a drive-in limited release, and then next year when things when things are different, then potentially do a full release. Yeah. But I mean, like for now, it would just be the best instead of trying to, you know, have to push back all these movies. Like, I just think potentially there's a lot of money in that, and if they want to continue to make money, then they have to try to come up with a new plan. And I think that's the best thing because everybody's going to the drive-in now. That's all there's really to do. Mm-hmm. 
Like even like out here in Ventura, they're doing concerts in your car. Oh yeah, that's right. They are. I mean, and there. I mean, they've been sold out like every time. So I mean, there's there there is money to be made. You guys get it together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, Universal is uh, celebrating thirty years of Halloween Horror Nights. Well, happy birthday, Halloween happy Horror Nights! Happy birthday! We've probably gone to about fifteen of them. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say mm-hmm. I've been to mostly all of them. So, mm-hmm. thank you for the wonderful thirty years of scaring us <laughs> absolutely and in other news courtney cox is confirmed to reprise her role of gail weathers in the new scream movie that oh. we talked about earlier i know it wouldn't be the same without without gail and dewey so i'm glad that now they're both signed on to be part of it um so ready or not filmmakers Matt Olpin and Tyler Gillette will be re- resurrecting the Scream franchise for Spy. Oh my goodness, Spy Glass Media Group. I need to finish up my cup of coffee. Um, and, and Paramount Pictures and David Arquette again will be reprising the role of Dewey. So this is exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. I know, and I hope that I'm, I'm sure that they will do it justice. But I, you know, I hope that they do for the the late great Wes Craven. Yes, because yeah. that's what made them so wonderful. Because it included him, <laughs> and I loved the I, I loved his vision of the this juxtaposition of the the scary movie and every scary movie stereotype, but but also making it campy and unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it was a great film, great film. And with you know the ready or not, you know, crew attached to it, I I have a feeling it's going to have that. It's, it's going to be that same feeling we need to do ready or not one time i need to add it to yes, the schedule because i loved it it was so good and I, I laughed like the whole time i did too and the part at the very end when they all explode i was mm-hmm. i was cry laughing in the theater it was yeah sorry spoiler alert if you haven't seen it people blow up spontaneous human combustion and it's great <laughs> Um, and also, my pet monster finally joins the <gasps> Funko family. What? I know in the new retro toys line. I had one of those. I did too. <laughs> uh, so those who have been waiting for the my pet monster Funko toy, uh, we w- we're happy to hear that the lovable '80s monster will be part of their new toy line release date to be announced soon. Very exciting. Yeah. And I may or may not have already ordered this. Um, Horror at Camp Crystal Lake is the first officially licensed Friday the 13th board game. It's out! Wait, what? Yes. So we're playing this, right? Yeah, I already ordered it. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, so the, the description on it is, Summertime fun is dying out at Camp Crystal Lake, where masked and murderous Jason Voorhees is on the hunt for a camp counselor blood. And your unlucky day is looming. So um, this was announced back in April, but now it's up for grabs. Today, go buy it. It's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We got to play that. Mm-hmm. That sounds so much fun. <laughs> um, also, still um, highlighting some wonderful creators of color. Um, I found uh, People of Color Beauty, and um, they 
have a wonderful brand of uh, nail polish. Um, their tagline is nail polish for people of color and those who live in color. Um, so they have, uh, I, love that. I know, um, they have a color, um, from nude called bronze beauty all the way to the fiery soul glow orange. <laughs> so they have tons of colors. Please go check them out. Um, and they also have, um, other products to actually keep your nails healthy, especially within this pandemic. We all have to pretty much take care of our own nails and other things. So it's good mm-hmm. that they offer that so that you can do your own upkeep for now. <laughs> I'm going on four months with no pedicure. So yeah, it it's, it's really hard. Yes. <laughs> Especially considering how much I run and how much we both still skate, even with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. My feet need help. Yeah. That's why I'm, I'm, I mean, I wear flip flops at home, so nobody sees it. so um also um there's k and c beauty um and they're on a mission to soften your lips and brighten your under eyes all of those things i need Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you can uh purchase uh five for 25 collagen infused lip masks um, alongside their soup, super balm, <laughs> lip balm with a uh, rose or mint scents. Oh, I like the mint. You know, and for those vampires and night owls who may need a refresher on early mornings, you can try their retinol eye mask. Oh, that's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I'm the vampire. <laughs> <laughs> and a night owl. <laughs> all in one. <laughs> um, also, there's a Colored Rain. Um, they have eyeshadow palettes, highlighters, and lipsticks. Um, all with, uh, you know, vivid, uh, bright, um, powerful shades. Um, the CEO and founder, Lorraine R. Dowdy, is uh, Brooklyn-born. And has a rainbow of colors ready for romantic occasions all the way to big raves and parties oh one of the places that we're going to talk about is in brooklyn oh hey very fitting brooklyn in Mm -hmm. the house (laughs) um her glitter matte lipstick is a must try product so check out all these people let's support these wonderful creators of color absolutely and keep the keep the party going with Mm -hmm. (laughs) that And this week, we are going to talk about some more spooky cemeteries. Cemetery Wandering Part 2. Yeah, because there's so many. And most of them are open during the pandemic. Yeah. So if you happen to live close to any of these, you can still go visit and learn about the history. Obviously, there are, you know, you can't have a, a full burial, unfortunately, if you've lost a loved one. But you can still go visit and still go check them out. Yeah. So the first one was actually a fan request. Uh, And so I am going to talk about Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Glendale. This one's exciting. Yeah, this is a big one. I have tried to walk through here. There's just so much to see. It's huge. Uh, They also have a huge uh, museum, which I didn't even get to that. (laughs) There's just a lot to see. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. So we'll get into that. Um, so Forest Lawn Memorial uh, was founded in 1906 um, as a uh, not-for-profit cemetery by a group of businessmen in from San Francisco. Uh, Dr. Hubert Eaton and C.B. Sims uh, entered into a sales contract with the cemetery in 1912. Um, uh, 
uh, Eaton took over the management of the cemetery in 1917. And then, you know, although um, Eaton didn't start Forest Lawn Cemetery, he is credited as being the the founder um, he, uh, for his innovations of establishing the Memorial Park plan, pretty much eliminating upright grave markers and bringing in works uh, by established artists. Oh, so it's his fault mm-hmm. that we don't have the upright ones anymore. Yep. Oh. All his fault. <laughs> and uh, he was being the first to open a funeral home on the dedicated uh, cemetery grounds. Oh. Yeah. Um, Eaton was a big believer in joyous life after death. Which, which I agree. I don't know. But, I mean, obviously, I don't want to make myself like a huge, you know, headstone or anything. <laughs> I don't know. I It kind of takes me to back to New Orleans where they kind of like celebrate, you know, after they, you know, take their loved one to, to be buried. And they're, you know, singing with the jazz band. I don't Celebration know. of life yeah. versus mourning of loss Right, of life. exactly. So, I mean, I don't know. I like that. <laughs> I mean, he, uh, Eaton basically said, you know, like most cemeteries were kind of, un, you know, unsightly and depressing. Uh, so he wanted to, you know, just kind of create one that would kind of, you know, go along with, you know, what he thought about, you know, life after death. So enter Forest Lawn. Mm. <laughs> and it's beautiful there. I mean, I don't know if anybody, you know, hasn't been there yet. I suggest going there. Especially it's, if you live in the greater Los Angeles area. Yes. Um, so the uh, Forest Lawn uh, Memorial Park is privately owned. Um, and it is the original and current flagship location of Forest Lawn Memorial Parks and Mortuaries. Uh, so it's a chain of six and four additional mortuaries in uh, Southern California. One of them is in Cyprus, right? Yeah. That's where I my... Didn't, you know, honestly, I didn't know there was more than one. <laughs> my, um, my aunt, my dad's sister that died young, she's buried there. My grandmother, my step-grandfather, and my paternal grandfather. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's I don't know cool. why the hell they're in Cyprus. They all lived in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. <laughs> why didn't they just go to Glendale? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, that's not much... Yeah, Cyprus, that's far. Yeah, it's really it's essentially Orange County. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Well, how'd y'all end up there? Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so in inside Forest Lawn in Glendale, it, most of it is in uh, burial sections and they have they all have different names. So there's Eventide. Uh, sadly, there's Babyland. Aww. And yeah. It's for infants. It's Aww. shaped like a little heart. There's Graceland, Inspiration Slope, Slumber, uh, Slumberland. That's for the children and adolescents. Uh, I know. <laughs> Sorry to mention all this stuff. <laughs> um, there's a section called Sweet Memories, Whispering Pines, Vesperland, uh, Borderland, which is basically on the edge of the cemetery. And then there's a section called Dawn of Tomorrow. Huh. Yeah, uh, the original uh, Forest Lawn uh, participated in racial segregation. And for decades, Boo. yeah, refused entrance for blacks, Jews, and Chinese. Boo, Forest yeah. Lawn. Bad. Mega boo. Yeah. <laughs> so, as I mentioned, there is a museum, which 
I really would like to get to um, one of these days. I don't know if it's, I think it's currently closed right now. You can go in the cemetery, but I believe the museum is closed. That makes sense. I can see why it's yeah. closed right now. But I do want to get in there. Um, it was uh, founded in 1957. And I mean, they have some, they've hosted some really great um, exhibitions there. Uh, Henry Matisse, uh, Winslow um, Homer, um, Ian Hornack, uh, Francisco Goya, Rembrandt, Mark Davis, mm. uh, just to, you know, damn. name a few. So it's some good stuff. <laughs> um, but also in their permanent collection, um, kind of represents uh, specific locations from people around the world. They have a section for India, Africa, the Middle East, East and Southeast Asia, uh, United States, South America, Australia, and Europe. Um Perhaps one of the most uh, famous objects owned by Forest Lawn's permanent uh, collection is uh, William. I can't, I'm going to murder this last name. <laughs> uh, Bo- Beaujero. Oh, girl. I mean, I no, think I. I think that's right. I think I got it right. I think that's right. <laughs> William Beaujero's 1881 painting, Song of the Angels. And it is regarded as one of the most important examples of Bourgeois's work in the United States. And you can go online and see a big, the, the picture of this. It's, it's beautiful, like a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful painting. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I really would like to get in there. Um, also in there, there is uh, a stained glass collection that includes portion of uh, William Randolph Hearst's uh, former collection and works by Albrecht Durer. And um, the museum, I'm sorry, the museum also houses Western bronze sculpt- uh, sculptures, Italian marble statues, American historical artifacts, paintings, world cultural artifacts, and one of the Easter Island statues. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was rescued from the bottom of a boat where it used to be used um, as a ballast. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And it's and his name is Henry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they named it. <laughs> um, so one of the uh, big things that, you know, Eden wanted to create, um, you know, was basically just make Forest Lawn different than you know any other you know cemetery that you would go to like he really you know wanted to fill it you know with towering trees sweeping lawns splashing fountains beautiful statuary and like just you know memorial architecture like basically like you know your the outside would also look like an art museum basically that's awesome (laughs) yeah so a lot of the um a lot of the six a lot of the six of the uh, Forest Lawn cemeteries contain about uh, 1,500 statues, um, and about uh, 10% are reproductions of famous art. Uh, Leonardo's uh, Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper uh, has been recre- recreated in stained glass in the Memorial Court of Honor at the Glendale location. Beautiful. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. <laughs> um, also, um, a couple of Renaissance sculptures were recreated. So Michelangelo's, uh, Michelangelo's David and Moses, uh, the cemetery is the only place containing a complete collection of replica Michelangelo, uh, sculptures, uh, which were made from casting castings taken from the originals. And, uh, they use marble sourced from the original, uh, quarries in, uh, Carrera, Italy. Hmm. Yeah, they did their research. Damn. 
he was like, if I can't have the real thing, I'm going to get real close. Get as close as possible. <laughs> um, there's also um, a, a patriotic one. It's called the Court of Freedom. And it's a large mosaic of John Trumbull's Declaration of Independence. And it's a, and then there's also a 13-foot-tall statue of George Washington. Why? Uh, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know, but it's there. I don't think the Declaration of Independence has anything to do with cemetery, but I don't know. It's huge. I, they have a picture on their website of it. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, interesting. Anyway, <laughs> the um, also other locations uh, on on Forest Lawn in Glendale, they have three non-denominational chapels: uh, the Little Church of the Flowers, the Wee Kirk o' the Heather. I like that one. I, I don't. I don't understand that name. It's but very Irish. It really is, but I like it. Wee very Kirk. Irish. Wee Kirk. <laughs> And the Church of the uh, Recessional, uh, which are all exact replicas of famous European churches. Uh, over 60,000 people have been married here, including Ronald Reagan and Jane Wyman. Really? Yeah. And then more than 335,000 people are buried at Forest Lawn, Glendale. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And, a, and over a million people visit each year. That is a lot. <laughs> um, also, there's the big, great mausoleum. A lot of people. Where all the big people are buried. Yeah. It's like, this is this is where you want to go when you go to Forest <laughs> when you Lawn. Go visit. Yes. It was a fashion after the uh, Campo Santo in Genoa, Italy, and contains many of the most highly sought after internment places uh, within Forest Lawn Glendale. Um, most famously, uh, Michael Jackson is there. Mm-hmm. Yep, but he's in the privacy of the the Holy Terrace in there. So there's some sections. Obviously, you're you're not gonna, you know, be able to get into in in, in there because they want to keep their privacy. But <laughs> but uh, some of the uh, most uh, notable interments there. Um, I'll just name a few because I had a really long list. <laughs> there's a sh- shite load. <laughs> I will just kind of name and pick out some, you know, more noticeable names that I think our listeners would kind of know a little bit more. <laughs> uh, Joe Barbera. Mm-hmm. Well, cartoon man. I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the Hanna-Barbera uh, cartoons. I did. I did. Uh, L. Frank Baum. Oh, wow. Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Humphrey Bogart. I was really excited. Lon Chaney, for all of our, our creepy fans out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Nat King Cole and Natalie Cole, Sam Cooke, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., Walt Disney, uh, and actually his whole family is there. Well, I mean, not the whole family, but you know what I mean. <laughs> the ones that are dead. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, W.C. Fields, Clark Gable, uh, Samuel Goldwyn, uh, Jean Harlow, and then as I said before, Michael Jackson, Carol Lombard, Mary Pickford, Elizabeth Taylor, Clara Bowl, and uh, Chico Marx and and Gummo Marx. Wow. Yeah, but there's ton more. But you know, yeah, that list it, it goes on too long for me to. There are tons <laughs> and tons and tons of famous people buried there. 
but and also um you want to know like if you're looking to find some of the celebrities you know to see their grave sites there are some where they will not tell you where they are because they're not allowed to so just so just heads up so if you really are trying to get to michael jackson's i would like to inform you you it ain't gonna happen (laughs) you're not going to (laughs) also um walt disney's is blocked off i was gonna say i don't think you can get to his either nope (laughs) and i know that's another i won't i don't want to say hot one but (laughs) i know everybody wants to highly sought after yes so just you know be aware that when you do visit that there will be a lot of you know places that you're not going to be able to get to or able to see but they've um, also noted that if you you know come into the main office they are very happy to give you information and answer lots of questions that you may have that's a, i appreciate that yeah i think that's really nice because it's huge yeah yeah so definitely um if you don't have any plans especially right now during this pandemic <laughs> right now, no one does yeah <laughs> go check it out i mean there's obviously hours and hours of things to do and see and and just enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. The first one that I picked, uh, moving to the opposite coast of the United States, is Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn. Oh. And I actually went here. Um, for There was a period of time for work when I was having to fly to new york city at least once a month so i really got the chance to rack up those uh frequent flyer miles but i had uh i had some time one day and my flight wasn't until the next morning i had a bunch of stuff that ended early so i actually uh went out here and it's so beautiful and it's fun fact it's actually the highest natural point in the city above oh. sea level yeah it's it's absolutely spectacular so greenwood is actually open for business now from 7 a.m to 7 p.m obviously you can't have a full service for a loved one right now but you can wa- wander the grounds go look at all the gorgeous architecture and artwork it's it's like a sculpture museum it's so beautiful so they're open seven to seven and they also have a lot of online tours and some different online learnings on their website. Oh, so cool. yeah. So even if uh, you cannot get to New York right now to go see it, then you can definitely learn about it on their website. It's actually one of the more robust cemetery websites that I've seen. Oh, so it's a 478 acre cemetery and it's on the Western portion of Brooklyn. It's located between south slope and greenwood heights and park slope and windsor terrace and sunset park so it's several blocks southwest of prospect park just for for anyone that lives in that area to give you a little bit of a of an idea of exactly where it's located so it was originally founded in 1838 and it was a rural cemetery and it was in a time of rapid urbanization when churchyards in new york city were becoming overcrowded it's described as brooklyn's first public park by default long before prospect park was created Uh, it was so popular that actually inspired a competition to design central park in manhattan as well as prospect park nearby Mm -hmm. well fun fact 
It was listed on the National Registrar of Historic Places in 1997, and it was made a National Historic Landmark in 2006. Uh, in addition, the 25th Street Gates, the Weir Greenhouse, and the Fort Hamilton Parkway Gate and Greenwood Cemetery Chapel were separately designated as city landmarks by New York City Landmarks Preservation Commission at various times. So again, it's spectacular. The, the buildings on this property are just so beautiful yeah i'm just looking at some of the pictures i'm like wow right like <laughs> you you will die it's wow it's gorgeous um and fun fact also it was once new york city's main tourist attraction oh so when it said that it's a sensational cemetery it's meant that it was literally a sensation in the mid 19th century new york and since they opened in 1838, well before both Central and Prospect Parks, it stood out as one of the first landscaped public sites in New York City. And additionally, New Yorkers were drawn to it in the same way they would later be drawn to those parks. So day trippers and tourists would come and picnic and walk around the shaded areas and the winding paths. And in 1860, they actually welcomed over half a million visitors that year, making it the second most popular attraction in all of New York State. Oh, wow. Uh, losing to Niagara Falls. Wow. Mm-hmm. Fun, like super interesting, right? Yeah. Wow. Jeez. So there are several major engineers and architects that were responsible for its design, and it's no accident that it held such a prominent place in 19th century New York. Um, it was designed by some of that era's heaviest architectural hitters. David Bates Douglas, he who designed the cemetery, was also tapped to design the Croton Aqueduct. And the cemetery's main entrance gate was actually designed by Richard Upjohn, who also designed the Trinity Church. Oh. Yeah. Uh, DeWitt Clinton actually put Greenwood on the map. Uh, it was immensely popular with people looking to spend a day, but was less popular with people looking to spend an eternity. Um, and when they first opened, the notion of a cemetery was a very unfamiliar concept as people were buried in local churchyards or potter's fields. So this n idea of a dedicated cemetery was very off-putting to a lot of New Yorkers who expected to be laid to rest beside a church. Mm. And many of them turned up their noses at the prospect of being buried in Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn's cool. But it's just me. <laughs> Brooklyn has changed a lot yeah. in the last few decades. It's it's definitely not the Brooklyn of the 80s and 90s. Of course. <laughs> At yeah, least I would hope so. Right? <laughs> um, so then came this sort of underground coup, so to speak. Greenwood's directors wanted to draw in crowds, so they did so the best way that they knew how to. They scored a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in 1844, they received permission to move the remains of DeWitt Clinton from oh. his original resting place in, Ob in Albany to Greenwood. And when word got out uh, that Clinton, who was the father of the Erie Canal and had served as a mayor of New York City, governor of New York State, and a U.S. senator, who, uh, as soon as he's there was noted that he was interred there, New York's most fashionable and famous families turned out in force to buy up plots in what was now a hot spot for oh. the hereafter. Wow. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Greenwood became so quote unquote fashionable that the New York Times wrote in 1866, it is the ambition of the New Yorker to live upon Fifth Avenue, to take his airings in the park and to sleep with his fathers in Greenwood. Oh. Uh. Yeah. 
It's interesting. I really want to go here. I know. And but I also haven't been to the East Coast in a really long time. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And there's also um, some other fun facts uh, that other people may not know. Uh, in 1920, Charles Higgins actually created a bronze statue of Minerva, the goddess of wisdom and strategic welfare, mm-hmm. up on Battle Hill. And this was actually the site of the Battle of Brooklyn, which was a major defeat for the Continental Army. And oh. it ultimately drove George Washington out of New York City and turned uh, New York into the British base of operations for the duration of the war. So little little quick history lesson there. When you actually see Miner- the Statue of Minerva on Battle Hill, mm-hmm. she's still there. She's actually saluting the Statue of Liberty across the water oh yeah it's that's cool yeah yeah yeah. so if you go up there you can actually see her still doing this and then in 2008 there was a potential condo building that was going to be built that would have obstructed the view but uh greenwood actually reached a settlement with the developers and they were allowed to keep minerva's view unobstructed of lady liberty oh good because yeah. I was going to say, well, that sucks if they let them build those. <laughs> I know. Um, and it's also got uh, some Civil War history behind it, and it even played a role in World War II. Oh. So it serves as the final resting place for 5,000 Civil War dead, both Union and Confederate. Wow. A Civil War soldier's memorial stands on Battle Hill, and since 2002, local volunteers have been working to identify all 5,000 of the fallen soldiers. And during World War II, wrought iron fences that ringed some of the most prominent and elaborate graves were melted down for the war effort. Oh, wow. Crazy, right? Yeah. And so let's talk about the the main chapel a little bit, which will take your breath away when you go yeah, in there. Yeah, again, looking at pictures. It's, it's so beautiful. <laughs> um, so this chapel was actually designed by Warren and Wetmore, and they both designed Grand Central Station. Um, it was founded as a non-denominational cemetery and did not have a chapel on its grounds originally until 1911, until the firm Warren and Wetmore began construction on this beautiful neo-Gothic building. Um, they completed it in 1913, the same year they completed Grand Central Station. Oh. Yeah. And there are several tourists or um, i'm not tourists i'm sorry well that too (laughs) (laughs) there are several notable burials um obviously not quite as many as somewhere like hollywood forever out here or forest lawn glendale but they do have a few people Uh, nobody gets to see the wizard but you get to see his grave frank morgan the wizard of oz himself is buried there that's cool yeah william Poole, who if you've ever seen the movie gangs of new york yes then you know about william bill the butcher pool uh he was the leader of the bowery boys and know nothing political mu- movement he was actually buried in an unmarked grave there until 2004 oh mm-hmm. interesting yeah susan smith mckinney stewart who was the first black female doctor in the state of new york she was born and raised in brooklyn and she actually grew up on a pig farm in weeksville on the corner of fulton street and buffalo avenue she's buried there oh yeah uh henry chadwick who's known as the father of baseball he actually created the box scores and the k symbol for a strikeout and the statistics for batting average and earned run average and he wrote a column for the brooklyn daily eagle 
Charles Ebbets of, you guessed it, Ebbets Field. Oh. And the Brooklyn Dodgers. He is. Okay. Yeah, he is also interred there. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I would imagine he would want to be buried in Brooklyn. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, Louis Comfort Tiffany. And he is actually the son of Charles Tiffany, who founded Tiffany and Company. But oh. he was actually a renowned glassmaker and the leader of the Art Nouveau movement. And Ooh. he was the first creative director of Tiffany and Company. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. That's very cool. There. Yeah, it's so it, it's again if you get a chance to look up anything about it, their website has a lot of gorgeous pictures. And better yet, if you yes, I was looking. <laughs> yeah, if you find yourself in the New York City area, definitely check it out. It's Greenwood in Brooklyn. It's a very easy train ride over there, um, or you can take a cab. But why bother? Just take the subway. It's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been wanting to go to. New York for a long time so definitely want to add that to the list because when I was in New York I was really young so I don't think I would be hanging out in a cemetery (laughs) (laughs) I don't think my mom would have allowed that so it's it's fine (laughs) but now we're adults and we do what we want exactly so we're going (laughs) yeah so so that is the history of Greenwood Cemetery so well the other cemetery that I picked it's called the Old Jewish Cemetery in Prague. That's awesome. Yes. And you can, looking at pictures of this one too, I was doing all the research. It's it's so beautiful. And I just love seeing kind of like, you know, the, the moss or the trees, the vines, like kind of growing over mm-hmm. everything. I don't know. It's, I know it's like creepy, but to me, it's, it's really beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this was not uh, Prague's first uh, Jewish cemetery, but the oldest surviving in the city. The oldest burial date listed is four, uh, 1439. Oh, wow. Yeah, although the cemetery was, you know, probably in use long before that, but the most, and then the most recent burial uh, was in 1787. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So it's been pretty close for a really long time <laughs> but still there uh burials ceased when a new decree prohibited in- interment in areas where people lived because of health risks mm-hmm. um it was uh the this the neighborhood uh was notoriously dirty um where it was located uh it underwent serious cleanup and uh reconstruction efforts uh part of the cemetery uh Oh, yeah. Part of the cemetery was displaced for a new road, which meant the dead and their headstones were exhumed and stuffed into empty spaces in already crowded plots. Oh, yarg. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm going to get real gross here oh, in a minute. Oh, no. I hope you're ready. <laughs> it's been a while since we ate. So yeah. We're okay. <laughs> uh, there are upwards of 12,000 headstones in the cemetery. Though it is speculated that as many as a hundred thousand individuals are buried beneath them, stacked <gasps> twelve deep in some places. <gasps> Jewish customs forbid the removal of old graves, so the dead were simply piled on top of one another for centuries. Oh no! New dirt uh, was even trucked in to create more earth for burials. I'm looking at it right now. Oh my mm-hmm. god. Yeah, oh creepy, right? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> when I looked this up, I was like, yeah, I got to talk about this. Oh, my God. 
Yeek! Yeah, so um, as Prague was a hub of Jewish uh, scholasticism in Eastern Europe, it's no surprise that some of the foremost figures in Jewish history are buried there. Um, but I will get into it because there's like really cool things about the headstones mm-hmm. that I was going to kind of get into. Yeah. But uh, uh, Rabbi Judah, I'm going to murder all of these names. <laughs> Just so you know. We're very sorry. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Rest in peace and all. We have good intentions. But Rabbi Judah Loa Ben Basilel. There we go. I went through it. Sounds Uh, plausible. Yeah, central character. um, He's buried beneath an ornate sand-colored headstone decorated with a lion. And then the astronomer uh, David Gans has the Star of David and a goose on his so, like, getting into that, uh, some of these symbols, like, appear on the headstones, um, and it's a, it's a very common thing. Along with the Hebrew script uh, denoting the person buried below, the images engraved on the stones also could communicate the names, like Gans means goose in German. Oh. So, that's why he has a little goose. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. Yeah. <laughs> and it also would mention... Uh, have symbols for professions so books for cantors and scissors for tailors or or like characteristic traits grapes for a full prosperous life and the star of david was for a uh, devout jew so i thought that was really cool yeah um also another thing they would do uh, a pair of blessing hands that was usually for like the temple priests Mm -hmm. uh, a crown for good reputation uh there's also the uh for name for names or by names there would be a lion deer a bear wolf uh also like with a by name like mazel you would have like a little mouse or Aww. yeah <laughs> or uh for like i said before for gans there was a goose uh for uh tipzora the they would have a little bird so it's really cool that that's how you would kind of like if the names went away you still had those symbols on the gravestones and you can see some of them, even though they're kind of covered up and some of the pictures that they have online mm-hmm. uh it's it's really cool that they did that i don't know i just thought that was really interesting no, that's awesome <laughs> and uh, a lot of the uh the oldest uh, gravestones in the cemetery were very plain um yet like they still had like the little like ornaments on there like i uh, described before also uh during uh nazi occupation of czechoslovakia uh historic uh, synagogues and other sites were destroyed pretty much effectively erasing the physical traces of Jewish culture. However, the old Jewish cemetery and the thousands of artifacts collected by the Jewish museum escaped this fate uh, through dark but fortunate providence. (laughs) And it is believed that the Nazis wished to save these items for a museum of an extinct race in Prague. Really sad. (laughs) Which Which would inform people of the future about the Jewish race wiped out by the Aryans. Thankfully, this museum and its subject did not come to fruition, and the cemetery, along with the artifacts of the Jewish Museum, were spared. So, yay. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, Today, you can go in there and uh, pay your respects to the thousands buried at the Old Jewish Cemetery, though tours offered by Prague's Jewish Museum. 
or through, sorry, through tours offered by, I swear I had caffeine. That's okay. <laughs> uh, hundreds of pebbles and prayers written on tiny papers can be found resting atop the gravestones. And you can actually see that when you look up pictures of this place too. Mm. Yeah. Also, the, the attached museum uh, has poems and pictures drawn by children during the Nazi occupation, as well as toys. Also pictures of that. It's really sad. <laughs> it's really sad to look How at <laughs> yeah it's i mean but it's it's really beautiful just you know seeing that they you know were able to you know keep this together especially you know going through world war ii and you know pretty much all the you know jewish community communities being you know wiped out and the people uh being wiped out too it's it's nice to see that there's still a you know a little bit of that history to to look at history's an ugly motherfucker man it is it really really is <laughs> but uh they they definitely said uh make sure to keep in mind when you visit for if we have any listener listeners in prague or listeners going to prague probably not right now we have some in the uk though that's <laughs> oh okay close yeah that's close um they just say keep in mind when you visit the jewish quarter and all Jewish museums and sites that they are closed on Saturdays because of Sabbath and Jewish holidays. Oh, that's awesome. So there you go. <laughs> but um, I really I really wanted to talk about this one just because a little bit because of like what's going on in the world a little bit. Yeah. And it's good to talk about things like this so that hopefully it doesn't get repeated. It's our job to make sure it never happens again. Yeah. So that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to pick that and but also just looking at it it's it, it's it's very eerie but also beautiful at the same time mm-hmm. and just seeing like the little pebbles that people leave for their loved ones like i don't know i don't i just really liked it Aww. that's my second one well thank you <laughs> um and then the the second one that i picked is actually the most visited necropolis in the world and it is Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris, France. I'm so glad you picked this one. Also, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm also just very attracted to cemeteries that have ridiculously beautiful sculpture. And this one is no exception. They're actually open again for visitors. So they, oh. yeah, so they reopened on, I think it was June 2nd. You can visit um, eight to six most days during the week and then Saturdays 8:30 to 6 and then Sunday it's 9 to 6. But they are open again for visitors. Oh. And uh definitely go and check it out because again it's it's beautiful. You will not be disappointed. Looking. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh Père Lachaise opened in 1804 and it takes its name from the confessor to Louis the 14th, Père Francois de Lachaise. Oh. Yeah, so he lived in the Jesuit house rebuilt during 1682 on the site of the chapel. And the property is situated on the hillside from which the king would watch skirmishing between the armies of the Conde and Turin during the Fronde, which I'm so sorry. I don't speak French. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> um, and which was It's so great. <laughs> I, t- I, took, I took French and... I'm I'm right there with you. So I it's took fine. four years of Spanish because we live in Southern California. But exactly. I, but uh, I actually really want to learn French too. Let's do it together. We should. 
I'm just Rosetta saying. Stone's got a killer deal right now, and okay, let's do and it. we both got free time right now. <laughs> yes, we could share it. <laughs> totally. We'll just split it. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> um, and this land was bought by the city in 1804. So it was established by, as a cemetery by Napoleon during that year, and plans were laid out, and the property was extended into a full cemetery. Uh, Napoleon, who had been proclaimed emperor by the Senate three days earlier, had declared during the consulate that every citizen has the right to be buried regardless of race or religion. And after the closing of the Holy Innocent Cemetery on December 1st in 1780, and as the city graveyards of Paris started to fill, several new and large cemeteries outside of the precincts of the cas- of the capital replaced them, so n- notably Montmartre Cemetery in the north, Père Lachaise in the east, and Montparnasse in the south, and near the middle of the city is Passy Cemetery. Uh, French officials approved the transformation of for our friends who have, uh, I'm not sure what the the dumb United States equivalent of this is because we can't <laughs> be on metric like the rest of the world. We tried in the 70s and we're just not smart enough to make it happen. But for those listeners abroad that are on the metric system, they approved uh, transformation of 17 hectares of Mont-Louis in the Cemetery of the East in 1803. And the work was given to neoclassical architect Alexander Theodore Brongniar. He would use uh, English-style gardens as inspiration when he was designing the cemetery with uneven paths that were adorned with very diverse trees and plants and lined with carved graves. He anticipated various funerary monuments, but only one was finally built, the grave of the... Grifflu family in a refined neo-gothic style. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm I mean, so sorry. did you not listen to me doing the other one? <laughs> well, and I tried to I, I tried to to look a bunch up earlier. Um, but I'm also probably gonna call my mom's ex-boyfriend that lives in France and just have him like school me. Help. Oh, please help. <laughs> Send help. Uh, so at the time of its opening, the cemetery was considered to be situated too far from the city and attracted very few funerals. And furthermore, many Roman Catholics refused to have their graves buried in a place that had not been blessed by the church. Ooh. So, in 1804, it contained only 13 graves, and consequently, the administrators devised a marketing strategy. It's always funny to think about marketing strategies for cemeteries. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you're going to die someday. You might as well figure out where you want to be buried. (laughs) Oh, man. That's my I work in marketing. I should do better than that. Yeah. Um, So they started working on a marketing strategy to improve the cemetery stature. So in 1804, they organized the transfer of remains. I'm noticing a common theme here Mm -hmm. of moving people around. Like, why? But I mean, but also... Marketing, (laughs) Brie. But also, let's not pile bodies on top of each other. Mm. That's that's rude. Wait, we'll get to that part. Oh, I knew it. (laughs) We'll get to that part. Um, So they organized the transfer of the remains of Jean de la Fontaine and Molière to the new resting place. And the next year, there were 44 burials, with 49 during 1806, 62 after that, 833 during 1812. And then another great spectacle of 1817, the purported remains of Pierre Abelard and Heloise were transferred to the cemetery along with their monuments canopy that was made from 
fragments of the abbey nogent sursin and then i'm sure you're familiar with abelard and heloise Mm -hmm. the two uh the two that were that fell in love that weren't supposed to yep she got pregnant they moved her to the nunnery and they castrated him yep yeah they're buried there oh that's sweet yep and so their their marketing strategy worked and people started clamoring to be buried around some of these famous uh bodies and remains so the records show that Père Lachaise contained more than 33,000 graves in 1830. Wow. And it was actually expanded five times beyond that. So 1824, 1829, 1832, 1842, and 1850. Wow. And presently, there are more than one million bodies Whoa. buried there. That's crazy. Uh-huh. Well, and but actually, there's more than that. Um, oh, and, and, but wait, Ron, there's more. So uh, there's more than one million that are documented as being buried but there but there are also many more um in this i don't know how to say this word because i'm a i'm a dummy but it's basically the remains of those who had requested cremation okay there's more buried there oh wow yeah so then there's uh, a few other specific monuments and and other um sculptural places for specific types of burials so there's the communards wall that's located within the cemetery and it's a site where 147 communards the last defenders of the workers district of belleville were shot dead on the 28th of may in 1871 yeah when paris refused to capitulate to the prussians during the franco-prussian war and that was the that day was the last day of quote-unquote bloody week during which the paris commune was crushed so today the site is a traditional rallying point for members of the french political left Oh, okay. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, and then in addition to some of the other elaborate tombs, there are also a few other monuments that I'll mention here. So there's a monument for foreign soldiers who died in France during World War, World War II. Um, and then there's also one for the memory of victims of concentration and extermination camps. Oh, wow. Yeah, super sad. There's another one that's for victims of catastrophic aerial accidents. Okay. Yep. So like hot air balloon accidents and such. And, ob- you know, and those airplane things, but also hot air balloon accidents that don't get enough credit. <laughs> um, and then there's a few other ones in homage to the victims of June 1848. Oh, so behind this other monument that's called Ox Morts, or To the Dead, which was sculpted by Paul Albert Bartholomew, uh, there's an ossuary of bones of Parisians from cemeteries all over the city. Um, and it's a smaller, modern-day version of the catacombs, which we talked about oh, okay. a few episodes back. Yeah. Wow. So, although the monument's well known, it's not general knowledge that it's also an ossuary, and its doors are usually closed and locked to the public. So when you go, you're probably not going to be able to get in. Um, however, when it became overcrowded recently, the bones were removed for cremation and then returned to the ossuary after the incineration process. So they're trying their best, according to their website, to store bones and ashes in separate boxes. So they're trying to keep skeletal remains as close together as as humanly possible okay um so it's still an operating cemetery and they're still accepting new burials however there are some rules of course (laughs) and they're very strict so one 
Uh, you can be buried in one part of it if you die in the French capital city or if you lived there. So if you lived in Paris or if you died there, you can be buried there. Hmm. We'll talk about that case for one for it, one of its most notable internments. Um, and it's even more difficult now nowadays because there is a long waiting list. There are very few plots available. So they range from being simple and unadorned to these huge towering monuments and even there's actually some mini chapels that are dedicated to well-known families or well-known persons and many of the tombs are the size and shape of a telephone booth with just enough space for a mourner to step inside kneel and say a prayer and then leave some flowers yeah so they they managed to uh, squeeze an increasing number of bodies into a finite and overcrowded space so uh, kind of tagging on to your earlier. Uh-oh. Yep. In uh, in Prague. So they, in one way that they accomplished this goal of continuing to push people in is by combining the remains of multiple family members in the same grave. So it's, oh, yeah. So apparently <laughs> at Père Lachaise, wow. it's not uncommon to reopen a grave after a body has decomposed and inter another coffin gross so some family mausoleums or family tombs contain dozens of bodies often in several separate but contiguous graves i mean i love my family but i want my own well they also are installing shelves to accommodate more bodies (laughs) (laughs) but but here's here's my favorite part we were talking about leasing cars earlier Mm -hmm. get this during relatively recent years, uh, Père Lachaise has adopted a standard practice of issuing 30-year leases on grave sites. <laughs> so if that lease is not renewed by a family, the remains can be moved and the space will be made for a new grave. And Are you saying the, the, the remains get repossessed? <laughs> they do. <laughs> Sorry, the bad joke. Really bad joke. Oh. I apologize. But it's true. (laughs) But that just popped in my head right now when you said that. Here's what terrifies me. So Jared and I don't have children and nor will we ever have children. So we will never have anybody to live on and and uh, continue to pay the lease on our final resting place. (laughs) Yeah. Terrifying, right? Well, you know, I'll take care of it in case. (laughs) I'm still around. Thank you. <laughs> when you go. You'll live forever. <laughs> I won't. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> she will. She will outlive us all because she's an alien. Well, I, I think that Sharon and Keith Richards both, I'm pretty sure, right. died a long time ago, and now they're just robot versions that are were wandering around. There's something, especially Keith Richards. Sharon <laughs> looks great. Keith Richards. Mm. looks like he's been dead for about 30 years but i'm just saying he's still walking around uh-huh kind of looking like the crypt keeper anyway he totally does <laughs> um so yeah you can you can buy a plot in perpetuity for 50 30 or 10 years um and obviously the 10 year being the least exp- expensive option um and then it's still the same case for mausoleums and chapels and then the coffins are obviously below the ground but if you don't renew your lease and they have to remove your remains, uh, abandoned remains are then boxed, tagged, and moved to the ossuary that we were talking about. Wow. Yep. So even though the the number that I mentioned earlier was one million, 
uh, it actually is estimated that when you count in the, the remains that are in that ossuary, they exceed two to three million total wow. internments. Right? Isn't that That's scary? a lot. It's a lot of dead bodies. So Gosh. let's talk about a couple of the, I, I just have a few of the most notable internments. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I at least know two from this one. But anyway, go ahead. There's a few. Okay. Um, so Victor Noir, who was the French journalist famous for how he died and the politics surrounding it, mm. um, his tomb is a symbol of fertility. So there's a tradition that if you want to find a quote unquote beautiful lover, you should kiss the lips on his tomb. Uh, if you want to get knocked up, just touch his right foot. If you want to have <laughs> twins, double down and touch the left foot. Um, and there's this, like, his whole replica on there is beautiful. You should look up his tomb. It's it's gorgeous. Okay, yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm going to look this one up. Um, and then, <laughs> obviously, and this makes absolute sense, Edith Piaf, uh, the French cabaret singer. Yep. Uh, most famous of, by probably the most notable of her songs is La Vie en Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moliere, the French playwright and actor. He is also interred there. And so this goes back to the rule about how you have to have either lived in Paris or died there to be interred there. Jim Morrison's interred there. Yeah, that that's the one I knew. Yep. Um, Jim Morrison of The Doors, for our re- listeners that are not aware. Um, so he probably has the, between him and the next one that I'm going to read, these are the two most famous tombs that are t- interred at Père Lachaise. So it's often, his grave in particular is often known as this pilgrimage site to the point where now it's actually covered with a glass um, cover. Sorry. Oh. Can't brain. <laughs> yeah, it's it's completely encased in glass now because people were trying to vandalize it so much. Of course. Yeah. So uh, he had so many people decorating it, including with, with graffiti. People would drop you know beers there um spill the contents over his grave like don't do that guys like why that's so rude don't spill beer on someone's grave like if you want to leave one as tribute like okay that's fine but don't drop it that's just rude and please don't tag it that's even more yeah that's my one thing about you know like that's their final resting place don't don't vandalize it no do not please be respectful um so there's actually a lot of tight security around his grave I would imagine so. And the other most notable internment there is that of Oscar Wilde. Yeah. So his his is actually really, really interesting. So for those that I'm sure everyone knows, he was an Irish poet, playwright, and novelist. Mm-hmm. So he actually died in a Parisian hotel. So that is why he was allowed to be buried there after he fled Ireland. Uh, his grave is represented by an angel bearing the weight of a rock. So people often leave fresh flowers, tissues with color stained kisses, and often letters as well. So his is the same that's now got a glass encasing area around that tomb. And now people write their messages on the glass because people are rude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't um, understand people. Right. <laughs> it just it's it's so rude. <laughs> it's so rude. So incredibly rude that it is. I just I mean like I I'm not any of anybody of importance, but I mean, I'm just saying, I don't want anybody. Don't trash my shit. Yeah. 
<laughs> don't trash my shit when I'm alive and don't, don't, don't do it when things. I'm dead. I will come back and haunt you. I will come back as a squirrel and I will crawl up your plant, your pant leg and make your life miserable. So don't do it. That was really specific. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I'll be here all week. Um, also, Frederick Chopin who the legendary oh. Polish musician and composer, yeah. his grave is also quite lovely. Um, and he, people very frequently leave flowers and such. And actually it's said that there are so many flowers that are left there that you would think that he just died last week mm. and he died 250 years ago. Wow. Or 200 years ago, 200. Uh, Abelard and Heloise, who we talked about Marcel Prue. The French novelist and essayist. Mm. He is also buried there. That's really cool. Yeah. So lots. And, and that's just scratching the surface. Tons and tons of, of politicians and journalists and poets and, and authors and actors and actresses. Lots and lots and lots. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also very fun and spooky. It's haunted. Oh, I would imagine it would be. Very haunted. <laughs> I imagine there's a lot of uh, ghosts walking around there, mm-hmm. even in the daytime. Oh, yeah. So uh, paranormal activity has been reported in various sections of the cemetery. And some people, some of that activity is believed to have originated from some of the particularly interesting burials. So this first story surrounds a former prime minister's place of rest. Uh, Adolf Thiers, who was in power in Paris in the 19th century, is believed to haunt his own tomb. Many people have allegedly claimed to feel the sensation of having their clothing tugged on when walking past his mausoleum. Yeah, so that's said to be him attempting to make his presence known. And not too far away from there is Marcel Proust's burial place. So He's got a, and we talked about the really well-kept grave that he's got and, and the flowers that are constantly left that make it look like he just died. Um, so this kind of ties into the tragic way that he died. And it's believed that each night Marcel's ghost rises from its grave in search of his lost lover. And then unfortunately, he never manages to find him who was buried at a separate cemetery against their wishes. Mm. I know. So sad. Mm. And then another one is, uh, as you would expect, one of the most well-known internments there is that of Jim Morrison. Yep. So there have been multiple sightings of him roaming the cemetery, particularly around the area that he's buried. Some Not have surprised. even I know, me neither. And some have even claimed to capture his apparition in a photograph. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, that's yep. creepy. So it's it's enormous. It is a rather large cemetery with lots and lots and lots of internments to see. So the I did a bunch of research on their website, but then also looked at a couple of travel bloggers that have been there, and they have all said to donate at least a, at least a good five hours to mm-hmm. go. So and it's good to go early in the morning when it's less crowded. But don't miss out on some of the gorgeous sculpture and the monuments that are there. It's and oh, and that chapel is beautiful. Yeah, too. no, I just keep l- looking at the, you know, the pictures and and all the stained glass. Yeah, it's it's oh, beautiful. I would love that. Oh, and a dog. Oh, the doggy. That's <laughs> really okay. Anyways, oh, you know when there's a dog, it, you know, dogs and cats. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that concludes our 
episode of today of Cemetery Wandering Part 2. Mm-hmm. If there's a cemetery that we haven't covered yet that you would like us to, we love researching them. Yes. Because it's essentially like looking at pictures from an art gallery. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> and one of ours was a suggestion today. So please suggest more. We want to hear from you. Yeah. you please. can You can email us. Um, our email address is thesquadghouls at gmail.com. Uh, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Our Please. handle is The Squad Ghouls. Creep it real. And we'll scare you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.